Hello, and welcome to Making Christ Known, a podcast from Adairsville Baptist Church in Adairsville, Georgia. This podcast features Senior Pastor Eric Sorrell and his sermons designed to make Christ known in Adairsville and beyond. For more information about Adairsville Baptist Church, visit us on Facebook or online at adairsvillebaptistchurch.org. In this episode, Pastor Eric preaches from the Book of Romans about the seriousness of sin. As we live in an age of skepticism and secularism, let us stand firm for the truth. To sin is to exhibit rejection and rebellion. Though we will always struggle with sin, let us cling to the power of God to overcome it. God is wrathful towards sin and will be on the judgment seat one day. This should not discourage us, but rather it should make us increasingly grateful for God's grace. Allow the word of the Lord to sanctify your heart today. And now, here's Pastor Eric. I want us to look at the bad, what is sin. I want us to look at good, what is salvation. And then I want us to talk about gone when we're with the Lord Jesus forever. And so this morning, as you open to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 1, if you're using the Black Pew Bible, page 939, I want to preach a message I've titled, Coming to Grips with Sin. It really is that bad. Is it really that bad? Have you ever said those words to the mechanic? Is it really that bad? <laughs> really that bad, huh? Hopefully not. You ever said those words to the repairman? Really that bad? Going to need the whole new appliance? Really? Is it really that bad? Can't make it work? No, it's, you know, 50 years old. Time for a new one. <laughs> no. You ever said it to the dentist? Is it really that bad? Or maybe to the doctor? Doc, is it, is it really that bad? Did you have to come to grips with the seriousness of the issue? Well, we must do that with sin. Sin is rebellion against God. That's a good definition besides the Greek definition of sin missing the mark. Sin is rebellion against God and it really is that bad. It really is that awful. And so this morning I want us to read from the book of Romans chapter 1 verses 18 through 32. This is what God's Word says. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they didn't honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. And they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the Creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason... 
God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They're gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, Inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. This is the Word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word, and now we pray that it would lead us to the cross, lead us to the Gospel, and sanctify us. Lord, may we see in it our sinful hearts, our sinful society, and may it drive us to the glory and the beauty of the Savior, in whose name we pray. Amen. Coming to grips with sin, it really is that bad. From this passage, and from Romans 3, I want you to see five key topics today. Five key topics that are addressed in this section. Topic number one is this. We see man's rejection and rebellion. Man's rejection and rebellion, A, against revelation, and B, against righteousness. This passage shows us that mankind rejects God's revelation, God's truth, God's revealing of Himself in Scripture and all around us in creation, that man rebels against God's righteousness, against God's good, holy, and pure standard. Rejection... And rebellion means that we push away and that we even try to prevent God's revelation and God's righteousness. There is, he says in verse 18, the suppression of truth. Look at how chapter 1 verse 18 begins. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven. Against what? Against all the ungodliness in our hearts and in our society. Against all the unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress, even try to push away and even try to prevent the truth, the truth about God's revelation, the truth about God's righteousness. You see, the Bible says that God gives revelation. He is revealing Himself. And He reveals Himself in many different ways. There are different types of revelation. The main two are general revelation and specific revelation. But we see general revelation all around us. There's natural revelation all around us. Things like creation and conscience. Things like morals and meaning. So that God's Word says that men are without excuse because they can look around and they can see creation. They have in them a conscience that points to the reality of God. There are things like morality and there are things like meaning. Why are we here? And so he says in verse 19, for what can be known about God is plain to them 
because of general revelation. God has shown it to them in creation, in their conscience, in their morals, in the meaning of life. For His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power, verse 20, His divine nature, they've been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made so that men and women are without excuse. He said they knew God, but they didn't serve Him. Instead, they served images of men, animals, and birds, and reptiles. And He kind of goes through that. and This is what they've done. They've suppressed the revelation. They've pushed it away. Now even in our society, they try to prevent God's revealing of Himself. So God reveals Himself in many ways, but God communicates in this way. He communicates through the Word of God. This is a type of revelation that we have. God revealing Himself in Scripture, in the Word of God. So let's call it what it is. Sin is our rejection of the Word our rejection of God's communication, or our rebellion against it. Sin is rebellion against God's ways. And Romans chapter 1 says that mankind is rejecting revelation, rebelling against righteousness. In our culture, there, there are two words that are kind of key today that, that kind of describe them. I'll give them two S's. Number one, skepticism. And number two, secularism. That, that kind of defines our society, our culture. Number one is Skepticism. They're skeptical of everything. Skeptical of any kind of truth. Skeptical of God. We live in an age of skepticism. But we also live in an age of secularism. Our society becoming more and more secular. No, no foundation of truth. No belief in God. It's all about skepticism and secularism. And let me tell you what those two things are. They are a rejection against revelation and a rebellion against Righteousness. What is skepticism? But skepticism is a rejection of revelation. Yeah, we're skeptical of that. Well, God's revealing Himself all around you. Look at creation. Look at the, the, the universe. Look at, look at man and look at the beauty of nature. And you're, you're telling me that that happened. Well, we're skeptical of that. We live in this skepticism. Well, what about the Bible? Well, we're skeptical of that, right? It is a rejection of revelation. And they even want to suppress it. Well, we don't, don't teach that. You guys, you keep that in your four walls and don't, don't put that on me. We're skeptical of that. We reject. We, we even want to suppress that now in our culture. And what is secularism? But secularism is the increasing just tendency to rebel against God's righteousness. No, no, we're, we're secular. We rebel against that. No, it's, that's, that's old. That's, that's, that's that way. And that's what God's you know, word says. But that's, that's not what we're going to go with. We rebel against righteousness. Rebel against what's good, holy, and pure. So let's say this about 2021. Divisions and doubt, schisms and skepticism are attacking the, the foundations of our faith, the fundamentals of our faith. Our society is sinful. And the, and the division that we see today, because it's all about division, what, what little pie piece of the... And the doubt... The schisms and the skepticism are saying, well, there's no place for truth. We reject it. We reject righteousness. We, every person comes and does their own thing in our society is growing more and more sinful. I mean, don't you see that? I mean, I'm only 42 years old, but, but now I, I just see it's more and more sinful. They're rejecting more and more of the revelation. They're growing more and more rebellious, and it's more and more prominent all around us. I mean, I, I, I tell my... Wife, I mean, I'm seeing it more and more of just how wicked our culture is growing. 
You, you see it, right? So what is God's response? It leads us to the second key topic. We see, number one, man's rejection and rebellion, but we see in this passage, number two, God's response. It's this. I want you to see God's wrath against wickedness. God's wrath against wickedness. And we see, A, the wrath of God, and B, the wickedness of man. When man rejects and rebels against revelation and righteousness, God's response is wrath. Look at verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed. (laughs) He's revealing even that. It is revealed from heaven. Against what? Against all ungodliness and against all unrighteousness. Anybody that suppresses that truth that rebels and rejects the wrath of God. We even sang about it today. The songs that we sang are so fitting for this text. What is the wrath of God? Here's a biblical definition of the wrath of God. Wrath is the holy response of God to sin and His rejection of evil. And we don't understand wrath because when it's the wrath of God, it is a holy response. A lot of times our wrath is not a holy response because we're tainted with sin. But God's wrath is a holy anger against sin, and it is His rejection of it. And His holiness, the holiness of God and the love of God demand the wrath of God. That's what chapter 1 verse 18 says. The wrath of God is being revealed. It must come against sin. The Greek word for wrath contains two things. The Greek word for wrath contains, number one, a strong displeasure with a focus on the emotions. This means that God hates sin, that He feels a certain way about it, a strong displeasure with a focus on the emotions. Number two, strong indignation with a focus on retribution. This means that it must be paid for. There must be punishment. There must be judgment. It must be be paid a payback. It, It can't go unpunished. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness. I like what many have said. Until we understand the wrath of God, we won't understand the love of God. How can you sing about the love of God and truly know what the love of God is if you don't ever come to grips with sin and how bad it really is and what the wrath of God really is? Many want to talk about the love of God and the grace of God and and the mercy of God, but what about the justice of God and the wrath of God, that He hates sin, that He feels a certain way about your sin and my sin and this sinful society in which we live. and he, He must deal with it. It can't go unpunished. The wickedness of man is described in this passage. You see at the very end, one of the lists where Paul writes about all of the sins. There's somewhere around nine vice lists or nine wickedness lists like the one listed here. Look at verses 29 through 32. When he gets down to it, he says, you know, we need to come to grips with sin and just how bad it really is. And so he says in verse 29, they were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They're full of envy. Murder. You see it every day on the news. (laughs) Strife. Deceit. Maliciousness. They are gossips. He's just making a vice list. Slanders. It's popular in New Testament literature. He, He does it here in many other places. They're haters of God. 
We see that today. Insolent haters of God. I'm reminded one atheist said, I don't believe in God and I hate Him. They're haughty. They're boastful. They're inventors of evil. Disobedient to parents. He includes that. Foolish. Faithless. Heartless. Ruthless. I mean, that describes our sinful society. This is the world in which we live and we have to come to grips with it. Yes, it's, it's sin and it's awful. Just as bad as the women exchanging relations with men for women and men with men. We like to camp out on that sin that's in the passage. Well, we don't like the one that talks about being covetous or gossips or disobedient to parents, but sin is sin. The wrath of God is revealed against all of it. He names sin and he says in the last verse, though they know God, and though they know God's decree, though this has been communicated in the Word and, and even revealed that there, there must be a God, though they know God's decree and that those who practice such things deserve to, deserve to die, they not only do them, but they give approval to those who practice them. I mean, I just want us to come to grips with this as the society around us grows more and more wicked and vile and sinful. The church needs to become more and more holy. As they grow hostile, we become holy. We see wickedness all around us, but we really know, I think you know and I know, that if our heart was left to itself, we too would grow in wickedness. You see, sin is not God's fault, it's ours. And we have to come to grips with it. So we see the wrath of God. The wrath of God against the wickedness of man. Scripture tells us that nobody's born good. Nobody's getting better. We're born sinful and our sins increase over time. If we were to make a list of our sins, our sin list would grow. We add to it all the time. This is man's condition. This is man's action. There's no one good. We are 100% sinner. We are totally depraved. Mind, heart, conscience, will. So I want you to see the third topic. The third topic is this. Man is declining into depravity. We are declining into depravity. What is depravity? Definition of depravity is this. Depravity is corruption. It is evil. That mankind is corrupt. That mankind is evil. That the natural man's mind, not the spiritual man, but the natural man's mind is depraved, foolish, immoral, empty, dark, Filled with lies, we are depraved and our society is declining. Don't you see it? It's declining into depravity all around us. Look on the TV. Look on your phone. Look in. It's, it's awful. Look on people's bumpers. You'd see, see things nowadays that you wouldn't see years ago. We are declining into depravity. Man does not get better. Look at what the Bible says in chapter 1, verse 21 about the natural man's, even his mind. For although they knew God, they didn't honor Him as God. And our secular society does not, and they don't want to. Although they knew God, although revelations all around them, and we have the revelation here, although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, but they became, here's their mind, futile in their thinking. And their foolish hearts were darkened. Depraved, foolish, immoral, evil, empty, dark, filled with lies. Verse 28 says, And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, 
God gave them up to a debased mind, a reprobate mind, to do what ought not to be done. Verse 29, they were filled with all manner of unrighteousness. One translation says they were filled with all manner of sin. That's terrible. I mean, that describes our our world. Filled with sin. Filled with all manner of sin. I mean, whatever you could think about. And I I wish it wouldn't, we shouldn't glorify it. But I mean, like, I, I even thought about telling you some of the sinful and vile acts that I hear of. Even going on around us and going on in our schools. I mean, things that you would think, good night. I can't believe that Girls are doing that, and this is that boys are doing. I can't, but like the vileness of it. And sometimes we just we need to see the vileness and wickedness of it. There's nothing wrong with being sheltered from it, but man, our world let's just it's declining into depravity. So man is without defense. He says, man has no defense. You can try to make one, but man, he says, is without excuse. There are no excuses for this. The wrath of God is being revealed. So you see this rejection and rebellion against revelation, against revelation, against God's righteousness, His good, holy, and pure standard. And you see the wrath of God must be poured out on the wickedness of man. You see that mankind is not good. We are depraved, declining into that, and we will. In this passage, I don't know if you noticed it, but I want you to see topic number four, that he talks about evil exchanges. So number four, I want you to see the evil exchanges, and there are three of them. There are three different times where he says, and they exchanged, and they exchanged, and they exchanged. And then he says, and God handed them over, and he handed them over, and he gave them up to that. He he does some things. So I want you to see that there are bad trades. Have you ever made a bad trade or a bad purchase? You made a bad exchange? You thought, man, that that was not a good trade. That was not a good exchange. So as he talks about sinful man... He says there are three bad exchanges. Look at exchange number one. They exchanged, number one, God for idols. Number two, truth for lies. Number three, natural for unnatural. But let's do verse 23. That's where the first one occurs. They exchanged God for idols. It says this, And they exchanged, claiming to be wise, verse 22, they became fools, and they exchanged, they traded, the glory of the immortal God, the Creator, They traded that. They exchanged the glory of God, the true God, for what? For images, idols, resembling mortal man. Well, the Athenians did that, didn't they? Just gave them names like Zeus and others. They worshiped man. And then even you go to Egypt and they're worshiping snakes and birds, he says, and animals and reptiles. So the first evil exchange is this, to trade God for idols. To exchange that, to, to worship other things. Now, our idols don't look like snakes today or birds. We, we sometimes make it men, athletes, or you know, celebrities, or our idols are power and pleasure, me, you know, uh, possessions, the, the things. That's a bad exchange, he says, that sinful man makes. They exchange that, he says. Number two, the second bad exchange is found in verse 25. He uses the word again. Look at verse 25. Because they exchanged. They traded what? The truth about God for a lie. And they worshiped and served the creature, little c, rather than the creator, he says, who is praised forever. Amen. That's a bad exchange. When you exchange the truth for lies, and many are doing it today, 
right? Secularism and skepticism says there's no place for truth. And so we're going to trade that truth for lies. We're going to believe this. We're going to believe this lie. We're going to believe our truth, whatever we've created. That's a bad exchange. That's a bad trade. Number three, the third time he uses the word exchange is found in verse 26. Look at it. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions for their women exchanged. And he says the men did too. Natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. It's contrary to nature. Women with women and men with men. Right? Even nature reveals that ain't the way. Verse 27, men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. So the three bad exchanges are number one, exchanging God for idols. Number two, exchanging truth for lies. And then number three, exchanging the natural for the unnatural. Describe our society. I was trying to watch a YouTube video before I came out here. Uh, it was a praise and worship song. You know YouTube has the ads right before I came out here? You know what the ad was? A boy putting on makeup and talking. To, you know, I thought, it's just, I mean, our wickedness is all around us. Just awful. I, can't, I go on a walk in my neighborhood and I'm seeing the F-bomb, you know, tattooed on people. You'd never use that word on your bumper. It's like, I just, I mean, it's just everywhere around. It's like, we're just, wow, wicked. The natural for the unnatural, don't you see that now? That's, that's what's playing. They're exchanging that. So what happens? What happens when mankind performs these bad trades? If you want to make these exchanges, God will let you, but with them come consequences. So, just like there are three evil exchanges, there are three times where God said, well, God handed over. You want to make that trade? You want, to, you want to make that exchange? Well, God will hand over something to you, and it's the consequence. So let's look at them. So in verse 23, you saw the bad exchange. In verse 24, you get the handed over. Three times he'll say something that he, he handed them over or he gave them up to that. So look at verse 24. Following the trading of the glory of God for idols, verse 24, there's, therefore God gave them up. He handed them over. He gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. So the first one is this. He handed them over to the desires of their impurity. He said, you want that? You want to make that trade? I'll hand you over to your lust, the desires of your own impurity and unrighteousness. The second one follows verse 25, but in verse 26, you see the second handed over. Verse 26, For this reason, God gave them up. He handed them over to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural right. So the second handed over is He handed them over to dishonorable passions. I'll hand you over to the desires of your impurity. I'll hand you over to dishonorable passions. The third one is found in verse 28. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up. He handed them over. He gave them up to a debased mind. You might remember that translation, to a reprobate mind. He said, you want to trade that? Okay. If you trade the natural for the unnatural, the truth for the lies, and I'm going to give over to you that, hand you over to that debased mind for you to do what ought not to be done. Those are evil exchanges show our depravity. So what this is, that handing over, that giving up is this. It's, it's punishment, not permission. 
It doesn't mean He handed them over and He gave them permission to, to live that. Well, you got permission to just believe that and live in that vile wickedness. No, it's punitive, not permissive. It's punishment, not permission to sin. It would be like you, like a, a parent allowing a teen to reap what they sowed. You want to do that? Well, I'm going to hand you over to it. You're going to reap the consequence. Not permission, but, but it's punishment. You're going, to, you're going to reap it. So God gives the wicked people over to the consequences of evil. And we see this played out time and time again in the lives of the kings of Judah and the kings of Israel, right? They forsook the Lord, so God forsook them, right? They, they traded and made that bad exchange a lot of times from, from Yahweh to Baal, and God did what? He gave them over to that and said, but with this comes this kind of punishment. Don't you see that? And he says, well, that's, that even plays out today as men reject and rebel and grow in wickedness. And the wrath of God is poured out. Part of that, even for now, is God saying, well, I'll, I'll give you up to that, and your society is going to continue to decline and to, to, to go here, go in the desires of your impurity. Go over to the dishonorable passions. Go over to the due penalty that's coming. Go over to that debased mind. When we trade, when we sin, we get what we pay for. You, you, you get what you pay for. You get what you trade for. So take your Bible as we come to grips with sin and go to Romans chapter 3, just over a page. Romans chapter 3, verses 9 through 20. So we look at our fifth key topic, doomed. Paul says in chapter 3, verse 9, What then? Are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we've already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. As it is written, none is righteous, good holy pure. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they've become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery. In the way of peace, they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. I mean, at times this could be a headline on the local news channel. Bottom line, verse 18, there's no awe of God, reverence for God. Verse 19, now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under law so that every mouth may be stopped. No excuse, no defense. And the whole world may be held accountable to God and will. For by the works of the law, no human being will be justified, declared righteous in his sight. Since through the, the law comes the knowledge of sin. So we look at the fifth last key topic. I want you to see this doomed. We get what we trade for. The Bible says that all are condemned. Romans chapter 1 through 3 is all about condemnation. To condemn means judged and found guilty. And all are condemned. All are judged and found guilty of sin. Romans 3 shows us that sin is universal. It's, it's worldwide. All are guilty. No one is innocent. Is it really that bad? It really is that bad. 
come to grips with sin. And so in chapter 1, he says the pagan is doomed. But lest you think, you know, well, we're pretty good. You go read Romans 2 sometime, and that's where he says the moralist is doomed. Think you're a pretty good person? Well, the moralist is doomed. Chapter 2 of Romans. Pagan chapter 1. Moralist chapter 2. Chapter 2 and 3, he says, even the Jew is doomed. So we could call it this way. That evil person that we just go, wow, it's so wicked and vile in 2021. Yeah, they're doomed. But the good person, man, my neighbor, he's not so bad. He's kind of a good person. I mean, well, he's... Because of sin, he's still doomed. Well, but us, we, we go to church every Sunday and sit in that certain... Religious, religious. Well, you're doomed. Sin is universal. All have sinned. All are under that charge. All means you and me. Apart from Christ. So sin brings doom. So what the Apostle Paul does in Romans chapter 1 and 2, and the first part of chapter 3 to where we read, is He shows us this, that righteousness, goodness, is lacking and it's desperately needed. Chapters 1 through 3 can be summarized, righteousness is lacking. So the question is then, well, where can it be found? Where can righteousness be found? How is it provided? And that's what chapters 3 through 8 is about righteousness provided, righteousness experienced. He spends three chapters showing us how bad it is. Righteousness is lacking, it's awful, and it's wicked, and it's, it's depraved, and man's done this and this and rebelled and rejected. And, and it's, it's, it doesn't matter if you're an evil person or a good person or a religious person, your righteousness is lacking. But he spends chapter 3, verse 21, all the way to chapter 8 saying, But righteousness can be provided. And received by faith. And righteousness can be experienced because of Jesus. So what today is, is, is this. It's why we need the Gospel. This is why we need the Gospel. This is why our world needs the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Because sin really is that bad. We have to come to grips with it. As we close, I want you to see the last slide. What, what is the Gospel about? Lest we just sit with hopelessness and Sometimes you watch and look at society and think, wow, this hopeless world in which we live. But the Gospel gives us hope. What's the Gospel about? Number one, the Gospel is about righteousness being provided. Because in chapter 3, verse 21, you have one of the great but nows of the Bible. I'll preach it one Sunday. The but nows of Scripture. And in chapter 3, verse 21, you see that, but now there is a righteousness that is provided. It's not earned. You don't work for it. It's not yours anyway. There is a righteousness that can be given and credited to you. That's what the gospel is about. Righteousness being provided because we lack it, because we are in our wicked hearts totally depraved. The gospel is about, number one, righteousness being provided. Number two, the gospel is about righteousness being satisfied. It's about God's wrath being satisfied. If chapter 1, verse 18, if the wrath of God is being revealed, then that wrath has to be satisfied. What satisfies the wrath of God? What changes the hatred and, and, and turns the divine retribution? It's that great word that 1 John mentions, the propitiation of Jesus. The sacrifice of atonement. The sacrifice that satisfies the wrath of God, that pays for the sin. That's what the Gospel is about. It's about God's wrath being satisfied. And number three, the Gospel is about this. The Gospel is about people being transformed. 
about people being changed. I mean, we know our, we know our hearts. But if you've been saved by the Gospel of Jesus and God's wrath has been satisfied and righteousness has been imputed to you, and you, you see in your life that you've been transformed, that you're now becoming a, a holy and living sacrifice and that God's changing you and transforming you, that's Romans 6 and that's Romans 8, that you're being sanctified. We're not there yet. We know how sinful we are. So this is how bad it is and why we need the Gospel. And we must preach sin as we preach salvation. How will we know the love of God until we understand the wrath of God? So as we close today, here, here are our options. An option for mankind. We can reject or we can receive. Our world can reject revelation and righteousness or you can receive it. You can reject today the truth or you can receive it. Number two, we can rebel or we can repent. As a church, as a city, as a nation, as an individual, we can either rebel and keep on living in our wickedness and you keep looking at the pornography or doing the sin, the vile, whatever the list is. You can continue to rebel or we can repent. We said, oh, look at all those exchanges. Well, the Gospel comes and says that you still have this option. You can make a bad exchange, trade God for idols, or whatever it is that you put on the throne of your heart. Trade the truth for the lie or what you want to believe. That's my truth. You can trade the natural for the unnatural, or that's the bad exchange, or you can make a good exchange, right? And the good exchange is saying, God, through Jesus Christ, I'm going to exchange all my sins for all of Christ's righteousness. You can make a good exchange. Sin for salvation. What if we exchanged our sins for His mercy and His righteousness? What if Jesus exchanged His blood for our salvation and sin's atonement? Guess what? He did. Jesus exchanged it. He paid. And He paid it all. Our sins, they are many. But His mercy is more. Praise the Lord. Oh my soul, our sins, though they are many, His mercy is more. Hear the Gospel today in exchange to the Lord what He, what he wants and receive from Him what you need and be saved today. Let Him meet the, the need of your soul. I close with a poem in that line that I referenced. What love could remember, no wrongs we have done. Omniscient, all-knowing, He counts not their sum. Thrown into a sea without bottom or shore. Our sins, they are many. His mercy is more. What patience would wait as we constantly roam. What Father so tender is calling us home. He welcomes the weakest, the vilest, the poor, our sins, they are many. His mercy is more. What riches of kindness He lavished on us. His blood was the payment. His life was the cost. We stood neath a debt we could never afford. Our sins, they are many. His mercy is more. Praise the Lord. His mercy is more. Is more, stronger than darkness, 
new every morn. Our sins, they are many. His mercy is more. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Making Christ Known. We invite you to join us again next time for another sermon from Adairsville Baptist Church. For more information, visit us on Facebook or online at adairsvillebaptistchurch.org. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to connecting with you again soon.